What's up? You've just tuned in your favorite podcast, Phenomena Nations. I'm your host, Blaze9, and uh, today I'm going to be doing a bonus episode. It's going to be a this is going to be counted as a regular episode, but it's a, kind of a bonus episode. So, hope you guys enjoy. Today I'm going to be telling spoopy stories, spooky stories, spoopy. Um, yeah, that's what I'm going to get up to, I guess. Um, so I would like to ask you guys. If you can, uh, send me in some of your, uh, if you've had a scary encounter, a spoofy encounter with, um, a cryptid or a ghost or a UFO or whatever, um, I would appreciate if you could send me that in. Or also, I'm also gonna have, if I can accumulate enough, um, s- listener stories, um, I'll do a listener stories episode, and I would also like you guys to send in just a regular scary story, a fake one or something, like, I guess, and I, I would also like you guys to, um, what was I gonna say, um, oh yeah, it, also if you guys have a hometown legend or around your area, in, in your state or province or, um, your country even, or around where you live, please send that in to me, and, um, not going to waste any more time. Let's get right into it. Okay. Um, so here's my first. I'm only going to read about three because this isn't. Um, oh, I forgot to mention that I'm going to be doing this every year on October 30th, just before Halloween. I'm going to read more than three stories on those days, and I'm probably going to have guests with me. So let's kick this off with um, a story called. The horrible hook. Um, it's gonna—it's a fairly well-known story, uh, a fairly popular one, um, featured in lots of cartoons shows. I'm just, uh, uh, well, in one cartoon show that I've seen. Okay, let's get right to it. The evening was still warm when Jimmy and Suzanne left the movies. Wait. Sorry, I'm stuffed up again. It was a perfect night to be out, and they were in no hurry to get home. After picking up a snack, Jimmy suggested they go down to the lake. The young couple often drove there to enjoy the scenery, listen to the radio, or talk. As they usually did, they parked the car alongside the gravel road in a spot that offered a great view. A light breeze blew through the open windows, moonlight shimmered on the water and a line of ducks floated by. Jimmy turned on the radio and found a station playing quiet music. That's the Bob Ross theme for any of you that don't know. Okay, let's get back. Get off. My cat. Um... Suzanne sighed happily. She always enjoyed being out here with Jimmy. He was one of the most popular boys in school and captain of the basketball team as well. But he he knew how, he, how to relax and enjoy the quiet of a spring evening. After a few minutes, Jimmy broke the silence to ask Suzanne about their plans for the prom next month. As she turned to answer him, Suzanne suddenly felt a strange and overpowering uneasiness. Jimmy... 
Something's wrong, she said slowly. And then, Sasquatch came out and ate them both. No, I'm just kidding. After a few minutes, Jimmy broke the silence to ask Suzanne about their plan. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, wrong, he asked, looking surprised. Is something wrong about the prom? We've been looking for forward to it for so long. N no, not the prom. Something else. Right now. Something doesn't feel right in this place. Jimmy looked around and shrugged. I don't see anything different. You're imagining things. Suzanne peered out of the car into the darkness. The strange feeling wouldn't go away. Listen, do you hear anything? <sighs> um, Jimmy gave her a funny look. What's the matter with you? Just listen, would you? Suzanne turned off the radio, and they both sat silently, scarcely breathing. After a few moments, Jimmy turned the radio back on and said, I don't hear a thing. I think your imagining imagination is working overtime. Suzanne quickly turned turned the radio off again. Jimmy Morrow, that's my point. It's too quiet. I don't hear the ducks or birds or crickets or anything. This place is giving me the creeps, she immediately she immediately felt chilled and rubbed her arms look looking away from him. Jimmy grinned patiently and touched her arm. Hey, it's okay, you cold. Roll up your window and put on my jacket. Frickin' pervert. They rolled up their the, they rolled up the car windows and settled back in their seats. You're probably right, Suzanne said. But I felt so weird, and I don't know why. Dot, dot, dot. A few minutes passed without a word, then suddenly, Suzanne stiffened and sat, sat bolt upright again. Jimmy! 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 Her voice held a note of, of near panic. Please, let's get out of here. I'm absolutely sure there's... But Jimmy was holding up his hand in si for silence. The radio station had interrupted the music for a special bulletin. Escape from the militant asylum for the criminally insane early this evening. Convicted five years ago of committing a series of murders... He is considered emotionally unstable and extremely dangerous. John Johnson, I'm gonna call him Johnston because I like that name better. Johnston uses a hook on his right arm as a replacement for the hand he lost in a train accident se several years ago. Dun, dun, dun. Suzanne glanced nervously at, Jim nervously at Jimmy, who shrugged as if the report wasn't a wasn't as a as important. As he had expected, he started to turn the radio dial, but Su Suzanne shoved his hand away. The state police have set up roadblocks in the surrounding areas, the announcer continued, and a massive manhunt is underway. Anyone in possession of information concerning the whereabouts of Johnston should get in touch immediately with the county sheriff's office. And now, back to our regular programming. Do 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 do. Jimmy, we've got to get out of here, Suzanne pleaded. The prison's only a few miles away. Jeez, Susie, relax. The guy wouldn't come this way. An escape, he would head north towards the interstate highway. What? Why would you go where there's a bunch of people that have radios? Cause this is like in the, this store. This 
I'm reading from a book. This book was written in the 80s. So, yeah. Uh, where was I? Uh, yeah. But, but Suzanne was getting angry. Um, Jimmy, I want to go home. Uh, uh. Suzanne, don't make me mad. I'm telling you, there's nothing to worry about. Jimmy, take me home now. Okay, Jimmy sputtered. If that's the way you want it, angrily, he turned he turned the key to in the ignition and shoved the gas pedal to the floor. Now, what is the first thing you do when you get in a car? Floor it. Uh, the 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 car fishtailed on the loose gravel, sending pebbles high in the air behind it. Suzanne huddled in misery against the car door. Jimmy stared ahead on the road in stony silence. In 15 minutes, they were home. Still angry, Jimmy screeched the car to a halt in Suzanne's drive and jumped out. He headed for Suzanne's side door, but clambered out by herself. But she clambered out by herself and slammed the door behind her. In that moment, both teenagers froze, staring at the car door. Suzanne slowly started to, to shriek in horror, and Jimmy felt every muscle go tight. Hanging on the handle of the car was a razor-sharp, bloody butt. Bloody hook, sorry. Dun-dun-dun! And that is the hook. Um... I got another one for ya. Oh. Rip the page in my book. This one is called The Horror in the Back Seat. The Seat. The Seat. It was nearly midnight when Linda made it a mad dash to her car in the pouring rain. The school parking lot was nearly empty. She was one of the last students to leave. Tomorrow, there was the was the annual high school musical and she had just finished painting the last the last of the scenery F lightning flashed close by momentarily replacing night with day the thunder shook her car bad storm she thought she couldn't wait to get home into her bed the stage crew had worked extremely hard for the last few days and she was exhausted turning onto the highway linda drove slow slowly in spite of her desire in spite of her desire to get home, the rain was coming down hard. Lightning, fla lightning flashed again, and the streetlight went out. Only the beams from her headlights lit the road ahead. Behind her, she noticed another vehicle approaching, the, o the only other car on the road. As it pulled up close to her car, its lights flashed, uh, as if signaling to pass. Linda couldn't imagine anyone trying to pass on this waning, rainy, wet road, but she slowed a little to let the car by, but the car stayed right behind her. Suddenly, the headlights flashed again. The driver pulled up his vehicle right behind the rear bumper of Linda's car. She could tell now that it wasn't a car, but a pickup truck. Pervert. She, sl she slowed her car again and edged to the... To the far right of the lane, the but the pickup wouldn't pass. It stayed close behind her, dangerously close. Frick pervert! Is this guy crazy? Linda thought, or is it deliberately following me? 
He's deliberately following you. You know why? Because he's a pervert. She glanced uneasily up and down the wet road. No one else was in sight. The truck clung behind her. Pervert. Just inches between them. Turning down another street, Linda grew more concerned as the pickup stayed close. The truck's bright lights came on again. Linda decided to increase her speed, despite the rain. She turned down another street and sped through a red light. But the pickup kept pace. She, she pushed the accelerator down even more, although the truck, truck dropped back slightly. Its unseen driver flashed its light several times in a row. Now Linda was getting scared. What's this guy want? He's a pervert. She thought. Well, that, yeah. She tried to, to lose the truck by cutting across the pavement on a corner gas station. Corner gas station. While the driver seemed to be well a, able to tell every move she would make. She, he hung on dogged, doggedly. Racing towards her parents' home instead of outside of town. Linda felt the car sliding on the wet pavement. She knew she was driving too fast. Still, the pickup bore down on her, lights flashing. Up ahead, Linda saw the driveway to her house. She turned sharply, almost skidding into the ditch, and started blowing the car horn frantically. The truck turned in right behind her, still pushing on the horn. Linda screeched to a halt and then jumped out of the car. Linda's father ran out to the porch, alarmed by the sound of the horn. As his frightened daughter ran into his arms, the, dri the driver of the truck got out and pulled a rifle down from the gun rack in the cab. Daddy, she sobbed, the man has been following me. Hold it, mister, yelled the father. I'm calling the police. Well, sir, you do that, said the, said the truck driver, standing in the rain next to Linda's car. He clutched the rifle and looked down through the car window. I think they'd be real interested in my in my story. Now, what do you mean by that? Linda's father snapped. He had untangled himself from his daughter's arms now, and now he was striding angrily towards a stranger. The man the man jerked his thumb towards the car window. Have a look. My car my car horn don't work. So flashing my lights was the only way I could help that girl. Linda's father peered into the darkened car. His expression changed from curiosity to horror. He he looked back at the stranger speechless. Yes, yes, the man said, answering the unasked question. He ducked down every time those high beams hit him. I stayed on that car so close I could see him every time he started to rise, rise up. Linda could be, could bear the suspense no longer. Moving slowly to, down the porch steps and across the drive, she approached the car in fear and fascination. Young lady, said the man, I'm right glad I came up behind you. No, Linda was, now could see why. Her insides ran cold as she glanced in the window. There, cringing on the floor, cringe... Was a huge was a huge man with a murderous look on his face. He had a gleaming hatchet, and he was also a pervert. And that one was horror in the back seat. Ba, ba, ba. Now I got one more for you guys. 
This one is called. Uh, let me find it. Uh, um, should I do? I'm gonna do horror weekend. I gotta find page 43. I'm way past that. Here. Horror Weekend. Bum, bum. It was time for the for the part of the camp that junior counselors Brad Evans and Tom Benson. I don't like those names. Brad Evans is gonna be changed to Jethro Bojangles. Just gonna, and uh, Tom Benson is gonna be Barry B. Benson. Um... It it was time for the for the camp for you know, I'm gonna restart now. It was time for the part of the camp that junior counselors Jethro Bojangles and Barry B Benson liked the best. It was horror weekend. Horror weekend. Horror weekend. Horror weekend. The weekend that Brad and Tom Tom uh, I mean Je Jethro and Barry got to scare the daylights out of the new campers. On Friday night, the boys would tell their new New campers around of ghost stories, including the creepiest story of of them all, the story of the old Tolliver place. Dun, dun, dun. The story was a really good one. The old Tolliver mansion, mansion stood at the bend in the road near the entrance of the camp. Let's try saying that times ten times fast. The old Tolliver mansion stood at the bend in the road near the entrance of the camp. I no. The parents. Owned a boy named Mac Tolliver. Owned him. Oh. Oh, sorry. The parents of a boy named Mac Tolliver once owned the land that the camp stood on. When they fell into hard times, they, they had to sell off the land to the camp. Poor Mac lost his mind. He loved to explore the woods that were now camp property. He continued to play there for a while after his parents sold it. Until... One fateful summer day, when he ran into two campers. The campers teased him and called him all kinds of horrible names, and they, then they beat him up. Bam, 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 bam. The next day, the campers were found hanging from two trees near the house. Their throats slashed. Slash. Mac's parents, the one blamed for selling his beloved woods to the camp, were found hanging in a bedroom of the old house. Their throat flashed. Mac had written his name in blood on the bedroom wall, but no one had ever heard from him again. Jethro, Jethro and Barry had told the story so many times that they really didn't stop to think stop to think if it could be true. All they knew was that it was the the perfect ghost story, especially on Saturday night. The new campers would be spending all, all the night in the old Palabar mansion. All the count, all counselors claimed, winking at each other, that the go that the house was haunted by poor Mac Tolliver's ghost. Now, I'm sorry I cheated you guys out of this, but I'm gonna read this in an accent. Um, what what's what would be a good accent to read this in? Uh, let's see here. I could do a southern accent, but I've done that already. I could do an Irish accent. Or Scottish. Um, let, yeah, let's just do a southern accent. Of course, Jethro, Jethro and Barry... Ha of course, Br 
Jeff, Jethro, Jethro and Barry had to spend some time trying to make the old mansion look haunted, but the job wasn't very tough. No one had lived in the old Tolliver house for years, as far as they could tell. There were cobwebs all over the doorways and hanging from the ceiling. All of the furniture was covered with grayish, grayish sheets. When the wind blew just right, it made the howling sound through the rafters. And every inch of the house creaked. You didn't have to try very hard to believe that Mac Tolliver, or the people he had killed, might come back someday. But the boys livened the place up anyway. They fixed the branch against the window so that every time the wind blew, it would scratch at the pane. And they tape recorded the sounds of screams and hid the tape recorder under the cellar door. Then, then they took a knife and made scratch marks on the door inside the room where Mac's parents had already been killed. Had been killed. When the house was all ready, they headed, they headed down, they headed back to the camp to tell, to tell the gruesome tale of Mac Tolliver. New campers were an assorted lot, like on eBay. Three tough boys from the inner city who didn't seem afraid of anything. Uh, wait. Three tough boys from the inner city of Compton who didn't seem frightened of anything. I had to change that. Can't be afraid. If you live in Compton, you can't be afraid of anything. A farm kid from Indiana who was twice as big as anyone else. And a nerdy genius type who had spent the most of the first few days of the camp playing with his calculator. Well, with all his hot pot nooses and, and all and all that nerdy stuff. And finally, there was Cam Revelot. Revelot? Revelot. Cam was a perfect victim. Brad and Tom, uh, Jethro and Barry decided. He was easily startled by something as simple as walnut falling on the roof of the cabin. Oh, wait, what? And he always seemed cold, too. Jethro noticed that Cam was always shivering and rubbing his hands. His skin had a slightly greenish tint to it, too, as if he was almost always about to get sick. Yep, Cam was the perfect victim. And Brad and Tom couldn't wait to scare the wits out of him. That night, they told the story of the Tolliver murder around the campfire, and most of the boys just shrugged it off. Cam listened, his eyes wide. After the boys went went off to their bunks, Jethro, Jethro and Barry noticed that Cam sat upright in his in his bed, his eyes blankly staring forward, until the until the counselors dozed off. The next day, all the campers woke up ready for the hike to the Tolliver place. No one seemed the least bit frightened, just anxious to get it over with. Only Cam seemed slightly excited, although he jumped when Brad blew the whistle for roll call. Right after breakfast, though, Brad and Tom noticed that the boys seemed a bit flushed. At Everyone but Cam, that is, who was still complaining about how cold it was in the cabin. As as they got their gear ready, the boys one by one turned green and then disappeared into the bathroom. Before Brad and Tom even knew it, everyone seemed to have a severe case of the stomach flu. The stomach poo. Only Cam seemed to be unaffected by the flu, 
and compared to the way the other that the other boys looked, he seemed downright healthy. Brad and Tom shook their heads, and uh, Jet, I mean Jethro and uh, Jethro and Barry looked, shook their heads in disappointment. I guess we'll have to cancel our weekend. Brad said to Tom in a low voice. It'll be the first time in ten years. I mean, uh, Jethro said to Tom in a low voice. It'll be the first time in ten years that the campers hasn't hasn't slept in the Tolliver Mansion, Tom said. And this is probably my last year as a counselor. I guess it I guess it's just as well, um, Jethro said. I mean ah, Jethro said, the only kid who see, who would really be scared is Cam over there. And he and he's the only one healthy enough to go. Are you, th are you thinking what I'm thinking? Barry asked with a, sl with a sly smile on his face. Tom, you've got to be kidding. It's bad enough to have a whole bunch of campers spend the night in the Tolliver place, but to send poor Cam over by himself? That's ju that just wouldn't be fair. He'd die of fright for sure. Well, well, Tom said with a wicked grin on his face. Cam wouldn't have to be alone. I could go with him, y you know. Then I can make it real scary. You couldn't stay stay here with the sickies. You could stay here with the sickies. If you ask me, you're the sickie, Brad. Um, Jethro answered. Come on, Brad. Tom pleaded. This is my last chance to really scare someone. And this Cam, well, he'd be great to scare. He's such a little snot nose, after all. Well, he is kind of a wimp, and all he does is complain. Brad agreed, but maybe you shouldn't go out there by yourself. You know, they never found Mac Tolliver. Oh, come on, Brad! It's just a story, remember? Tom. Tom asked, shaking his head. Jeez, you're worse than that little wimp, Cam. Tom looked at Brad. Tom looked at Brad, and besides, he said, I'd rather be there than here with a bunch of barfing brats. Okay, you win, um, Jethro said. Ah, keep on saying the real names, Jethro said. Take Cam and get going. We'll see you at breakfast tomorrow morning. That is, if any of these guys can stomach breakfast by then. Jethro watched as as Barry gathered up his thangs and headed for the door, Tom didn't have to work on Cam very hard to get him to go. But that time the cabin was full of sick kids. Sam Cam seemed pretty happy to to get out of there. As he headed down to the path, Tom winked at Bra at I mean at uh, uh, Barry winked at Jethro. The day wore on and the campers seemed to be getting better. Before. They see, they were all talking about the Tolliver place. They beg, they begged and pleaded with Jethro to take them there. If they hurried, they said they could make it before dark. Oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't using my southern accent. Brad, Brad looked around at the group. He had to admit that this is that he was pretty disappointed himself about missing that 
the highlight of Horror Weekend. And besides, he felt sorry for Tom, having to spend the night there by himself with that with that sniffing cam. He'd probably end up wiping the kid's nose all night. And that was no way to spend your last summer at camp. Brad gave in. I mean, Jeffro gave in. The kids loaded up their gear, and the whole gang decided to. And the whole gang headed out of the door. The hike would take a couple of hours, and nightfall would come soon. But there was a full moon, so the hike wasn't as tough as it could have been. Jethro led the way, talking about the old about the Tolliver story as they walked. He told the Mac Tolliver could still be around in the woods, behind that next rock, anywhere. He reminded them that ghosts of the dead campers could be heard on the nights of the full moon, screaming for their lives, begging for mercy. Just as he mentioned the screaming... The mansion came into view and a cry broke into the night. Perfect time. Perfect timing. Jethro thought to himself. The campers looked at each other. At each other and then shook their heads. Ah, he rigged the whole thing. The, the, kid, the kid from Indiana said. Yeah, the nerdy kid. The nerdy kid added. She timed her entrance, entrance perfectly. Freaking nerd. Just then he heard an, just then he heard another scream, the, this one sharper than the first, coming from the second floor of the old house. Jethro grinned. Barry, Barry sure is is hamming, hamming it up for Cam. He thought. He thought. Brad led the boys to the front door of the house, and he touched the knob. He. <laughs> He heard a groan from the upstairs room and the, and the slow creaking footsteps. That's that's Tom, he thought to himself and glanced at the campers. You you guys game? he asked. Yeah, said one of the inner city ki kids. This is just hocus pocus junk. Let's go inside and prove it. He's right, said, said his butt. Said his buddy, who's afraid of this corner stuff? I've seen scary stuff right outside my window in the city. The group entered the house slowly, except for a few creaking floorboards. The house was silent. The screaming had stopped. See? See? Said the kid from Indiana. Nothing here. I knew it was all sound effects. I am Cornholio! Just then, there came a thump. Wait, wait, wait. Sound from the upstairs. Uh, Barry, Barry, Barry. Jethro called, heading up the stairs. Cam, Cam. Then the thump, thump, thump came again. Hey, Brad said, "You guys cut, you guys cut that out. Are you up there or what?" Yeah. Yeah, right," said one of the inner city kid. "said one of the inner city kids. You expect us to believe that something's weird, something weird's going on? You you must think we're pretty stupid." But the thumping sound continued. The best thing, the best thing to do," said said, said the nerd, "is to investigate. You you guys stay here, Brett." Um, Jethro said, "I'll go first. Jethro's." Jethro started up. Jethro started up the stairs. 
Hey, wait for us. The kid from it the kid from Indiana said following him. The th the thumping became louder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Said the rest of the kids. The sound of their the sound of their voices echoing through the old house. Brad climbed the stairs, the rest of the boys on at his heels. He figured that this this was one of um, Barry's pranks, but he couldn't shake that feeling that something wasn't quite right. After all, Barry hadn't been known, had, hadn't even known they were coming. How quickly had, could he have set something like this up so quickly? And where was that Cam kid anyway? He was the kind of kid who would have helped. He wasn't the kind of kid who would have helped Tom play this kind of prank. They were at the top of the steps now, following the sound. It was getting louder, and it seemed to be coming from that from the bedroom at the end of the hall. The bedroom where Mac Tolver had killed his parents. Brad reached for the doorknob. Thump, thump. The sound kept on coming, but now there was another strange sound with it. One, one that sounded like water dripping. Brad turned the knob <laughs> and held his breath. The boys snickered, but it was but it was a nervous kind of laughter. You know that nervous kind. Brad opened the door, and then he and the campers screamed. Hanging in front of them was a, from a noose was Tom. His body was swinging ever so slightly, making thumping sounds against the against the opposite door. Blood was dripping from Tom's throat. Drip, drip, drip. He's faking," said one of the, the one of the kids. One of the kids said, "That's fake blood." But but when Blad, when uh, what's what's his name? Ah, I mean uh, hanging from hanging was a uh, was Barry. There was blood dripping from Barry's throat. Sorry, but when Jethro slowly approached the body and looked into Tom's open. Bulging, staring eyes. He could tell that he was dead. What a, what a great way to end your summer, your last, your last year at camp. What a great way to end it. Br Brad shook his head in disbelief and horror. And when he looked down at the rest of his body, he could tell how, how Tom had died. His neck had been slashed. Oh, what, what, what was this? Um, uh, oh. Oh, cool! I just got a notification for Tim and said that's a podcast. Yeah. Okay. Um, he could tell how Tom had—I uh, mean, uh, Barry had died. His neck had been slashed, just like the Tolvers had been ten years earlier. The the campers had realized what had happened, and they were so, and they were crying softly. But but who? How? Uh, Jethro stammered. His question was soon answered. On the wall, written in blood, Tom's blood, was the name Cam Revelot. The, the bloody letters reflected Cam Revelot. Bah, bah, bah. That's Mac Tolver spelled backwards, just so you know. The bloody letters reflect in the mirror of the dresser across the room. Wait, um, the bloody letters reflect in, in the dresser of the of the dresser across the room told Brad all he needed to know. Mac Tolliver had come back. 
and he had claimed his revenge once more. Well, and that is the end of my scary story stories bonus episode. Um, remember, always check out October 30th, the day before Halloween. Um, and also, I would like you guys, if you can, send in some spooky stories, some scary encounters that you've had. Does Like, it doesn't have to be with a cryptid, or it could be like, um, I've heard this story about this person. Uh, uh, his house was broken into. Like, he was a kid, his, um, his house was broken into, and, um, after a while, he went to bed, in his parents' bed, him and his brother, and his parents were talking in the hallway, like, at, at the bathroom, and there was something in his closet, it was a, uh, clown, creepy clown, that broke into his house, and walking across his room, had it, the quiet sign on his mouth, like the shh. And he got, and the clown got out. Sort of like, if you, if you don't have a cryptid experience, or if you have something like, if someone broke into your house, and you were in the house at the same time, or whatever, so any anything creepy that happened to you, or submit your hometown legend, um, a legend around the area of where you live, um, or submit your actual, just a regular scary story, that uh, not a real one, like a, fi- a fictional one, and uh, don't forget to donate, and uh give me a five star comment it it shouldn't take more than a minute thanks for listening and i'll see you guys in the next episode wait what well, i got to make it to exactly 36 minutes on here spooky scary skeletons bye <laughs>